This podcast is brought to you thanks to the generous support of Whistler Blackcomb, leaders in delivering adventure. Where they're comfortable to make the mistakes that learning requires, right? Like if you can do that as a, as a teacher, if you can get somebody into that place, and I, I think that is the challenge zone, that that is the number one skill, I, in my opinion. It's the number one skill that you need. Yes, you need to know the... The, the, the ways to do it safely and, and, and all of those things, but with the goal of getting someone into that place. Welcome to Delivering Adventure. This is the podcast that explores what it really takes to share adventure like a pro with your friends, your family, and as a profession. My name is Chris Capio, and I'm coming to you from Whistler, British Columbia. And I'm Jordy Shepard, recording from Canmore, Alberta. After a lifetime of working extensively in different parts of the adventure guiding industry, Chris and I have teamed up to launch this podcast. In each episode, you will hear top adventure guides, managers, marketers, and athletes share their best stories, advice, and trade secrets. The goal of this podcast is to share how you can take yourself and others farther from the mountains to the office and beyond. Hello, Jordy. How does it feel to be back for season number two? Well, Chris, yeah, it was a great first season, and I'm really looking forward to our upcoming season here for our listeners. I can tell you that we've been quite busy behind the scenes working on taking this podcast to the next level. We have a great lineup of topics for this season, and we're very proud to announce that Whistler Blackcomb has signed on to support this project. For this, we are very grateful. As promised, season two is going to be more skills-focused. To help us kick this off, we're going to be joined by Mark Sedgwick and Jeff Marks. Mark and Jeff are two of the founders of the newly launched Professional Ski Instructors of Canada, or PSIC. The PSIC is an organization that is currently focused on ski instructor development and certification, and it was launched just this past fall. In today's discussion, we are going to learn about the PSIC's unique approach to delivering adventure. This will be of interest to all of our listeners, as their approach and learning system can be applied to all sectors of the outdoor adventure industry. At the heart of this discussion is a look at what the challenge zone is and how we can help people reach it. Jordy, for me, the challenge zone is really where adventure happens, which also makes it the adventure zone. This is a topic that I'm really excited to explore. Mark Sedgwick is a proud product of the ski industry Skiing is his passion, and he is an obsessed student of the sport. His career spans over 35 years in the industry. He is currently president and co-founder of both the Professional Ski Instructors of Canada and 2XO Ski Consulting, offering his expertise as an industry advisor. He is a recognized and respected global thought leader and author in the ski space. Mark spent 16 years as a senior executive with Whistler Blackcomb and played a strategic role in all aspects of the resort's journey and growth as it became the most visited resort on the planet. Mark's ski education spans three pathways, Austrian, Australian, and Canadian. Mark participated at two inter-ski events representing Australia in 1995 and Canada as technical lead and coach in 2023. Like Mark, Jeff has worked extensively in the ski industry. Jeff was born and raised in the Canadian Rockies in Jasper and currently lives in Banff, Alberta. 
Jeff has had various leadership roles in the ski industry, including director of the club ski program in Banff and the Niseko Village Snow School in Japan, as well as 12 years as program coordinator and national program director for the Canadian Ski Instructors Alliance. Jeff has represented Canada at three interski events, including as head coach of the Canadian team in March 2023 in Levy, Finland. Now, being involved with the Professional Ski Instructors of Canada, Jeff finds himself again in a creative new challenge zone with an opportunity to do his best to support an industry and profession that he loves. While being a founder of this new entity certainly keeps him busy, he keeps his connection to the core of the industry by teaching skiing for the snow school at Lake Louise Ski Area. A large part of this discussion is going to be focused on skill development. While we are going to be talking mostly about this in the context of skiing, the lessons apply to all activities. As always, this podcast is about process, not specific activities. Skill development is an important risk management tool and is essential in enhancing the adventure experience. Most adventures involve some type of travel skills, whether it is walking, climbing, skiing, riding, or paddling. Of course, there are many other skills that go into achieving adventure, including decision-making, planning, and communication. The better people are at what they are doing, the more they'll enjoy it, the farther they will be able to go, and the safer they will be able to do it. The ability to teach people is an essential skill for anyone who wants to deliver adventure. Guides need to be able to teach, and instructors need to be able to guide people through the entire experience. As always, at the end of the episode, we will summarize and build on some of the key takeaways. With that in mind, let's bring Mark and Jeff into the Delivering Adventure studio. Hello, Mark and Jeff. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jordy. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having us. Where are you two right now? Um, I'm sitting in my house, which is in, uh, which is in Whistler. And I'm, uh, I'm based in Banff. So tell us about the PSIC. Uh, start with explaining what it is and uh, where the idea come from. What does the acronym stand for, for first off? Well, the acronym is, is fairly simple. It's just the Professional Ski Instructors of, of Canada. Um, so yeah, what is it and where it came from? I think they're two big questions and almost independent questions. Um, so the simple answer is it's a professional development organization. But of course, you know, I don't think that does it justice because we're, you know, we're trying to create um, and foster so much more than that. But the second part of that, for me, kind of where did it come from? You know, I'm not as 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 young as I'm sure a lot of your listeners uh, on the podcast are, but, you know, 35 years in the making for me. So, you know, probably it represents the epitome of a, a lifetime of passion. You know, so from context, you'd have to understand kind of that history, but I'm, I'm a product of the ski industry and kind of have been for the last 35 years. So I think as a questions go on we can get more into more into that in the last episode of season one we spoke with angela hawes from the american mountain guide association about how organizations help to deliver adventure there are a lot of organizations out there that train and regulate guides and instructors advocate for their members and provide member services in canada alone there are now three different organizations that train and certify ski instructors so what makes the psic different We've heard that question a, a number of times, and I always like to reframe it um, just in the context of, you know, who are we? 
and and what are we doing? Because we don't try and be different from anyone. We're trying to create something from scratch, which is really refreshing. You know, a modern ski organization, not a lot of people get the opportunity or the good fortune to do that. And and we've we've we're moving along that path. So, you know, I'm I'm really interested to get to hear Jeff's point of view on this too. But you know, for me it's about the culture, um, industry collaboration and the adventure, which is kind of the namesake of of kind of what we're talking about here. So our culture, for, for us, our community is everything, and that'll define who we are. So we're good people and we're, just, we're helping each other. So kind of the values of the organization is where we started. Um, and we, you know, they're really important to us. And, you know, a couple of them there are kindness and respect. So it's all around kind of supporting and helping each other. You know, we adv- we aspire to advance the you know, diversity and inclusivity. We feel that'll make us stronger. Um, there's no no place for making people feel small or they're not good enough or that anyone's judging you. So really for, for us, that culture and that community is key. And, and we're working really hard on, on helping people try and align with that. And if they do, they can come along with us on this ride. You know, another component that I mentioned there is industry collaboration. So we're really trying to work very closely with the industry to support the industry's needs because without the industry, you know, we we don't have a, a living. So to, to work in isolation doesn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, what I always say, if we're not at the table, then we're not in the conversation. And to be in the conversation is really important with our employers um, from, 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 from that perspective. So, and the... We're in that conversation. We started an industry steering committee, and that's how we're collaborating with them. And that's made up of folks uh, across the country um, that are representing resorts. And as we get into the dialogue, they're helping, you know, helping curate and hold us accountable to our curriculum. And what happened to come out over and over and over is that, you know, teaching skiing isn't teach about teaching technique. It's about teaching people to love the sport and teaching people to come back. And that kind of seamlessly leads into the our third pillar, which is the adventure. And I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about that. But, you know, in the adventure, I'll just say that we're in the great simplicity, we've got fun, safe learning. And it's a very tangible, very practical, practical vehicle for us to talk about and work with with professionals. But behind that, we've actually put quite a bit of thought and, and, and quite a number of talented people have invect, ingest, um, you know, injected a bunch of effort into this to, to have some substantial meat and some science that's backing all that up. So the science of learning, the science of skiing, um, psychology, um, emotion in there. And yeah, that, that's, that's how I like to talk about it when you know, people ask us, well, what are you doing differently? Well, we're actually not doing anything differently. We're doing kind of what we think is important and moving forward. And they're the three pillars that really define what we feel are important. That's our culture, our industry collaboration, and our adventure. Now, Jeff will say something completely different to that now. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I mean, for me, I th- and Mark's right, we, you know, we've, we've had this question a lot. Um, because I think it's, it is a bit of an obvious one in, in the sense that, um, you know, you mentioned it early there, Jordy, there are now, you know, three organizations that, that, that revolve around, um, 
you know, training and development of, of ski instructors and, and, um, uh, you know, there's, there's been one main one for, <clears throat> for a very long time. And, and what I think makes us different as well is the fact that we, we are, it's actually in our logo, we are established in 2023 and what that means or is, is, um, starting to become more obvious that it means is that we're, um, you know, we're, ta- we're, we're moving quickly in some senses, um, because we can, but we're also, um, being very, um, uh, careful, I guess, in, in what we, what we sort of ingrain as, um, you know, the foundations or the fundamentals of what we do. And, and we're, I don't want to talk about tradition as though it's a, a, a bad thing. Tradition is, is awesome, but because we don't have a history, we're also not bound by, um, a lot of tradition or, or history. And so where, where I'm finding myself in this, in this, um, endeavor, and I think where the whole organization is, is that what is making us different is that we're, um, you know, we're engaging with with um, different people, different aspects of the industry, different um, voices are being heard, and every day the organization is is evolving as a result of that. So we're we're in kind of a neat spot where um, you know I think if we if we do this right um, and we keep our ears open and we keep actively listening and and engaging in the conversations, like Mark said, if you know if we continue to be in the room that will be part of what continues to to make us different over time. So I don't know if there's uh, sort of, of one thing that I would put a finger on. I think so many of those things are still to come, which is kind of cool. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, Chris and I, when we were talking about having you on the show, uh, we definitely were thinking that it must be quite interesting to be branching off into starting a new, a new group organization um, with already some existing ones in place. And I'm sure you're taking, you know, you're talking about history, some, some of your experience, your long history with those other associations and groups, and then, yeah, bringing it into this new, this new way of doing things that you're working on. And one of the core components of the PCIC's delivery model, which you call the method, is the means by which you guide adventure. Can you elaborate on the method and what is adventure to you? Um, but you know, where, where the, where the method, um, is at the, at the moment and, and even to, to get it to where it is today, it itself went through, um, a fair amount of evolution from its original, um, inception and, and what it meant to begin with and, and where it is now. And, and I'll see if I can succinctly tie the two ideas together is that, you know, the, the, the method really is, um, you know, it does drive the adventure and it, it guides how we, we, we deliver the adventure by responding to, um, essentially the, the human condition. And, and that's a super broad thing to say, but we've kind of um, bro- boiled it down to how, you know, getting ideas across to people and getting them, um, inspired and, and finding them in the right place to, to learn things. It's a bit of a combination of, of a few things that we've, we've, we've pinpointed a little bit. And one of those is, um, just responding to the, the, the intellectual side of, of your student and also the, um, sort of capturing the, the physical sensation that skiing brings. And, and so, to, and, and those are two kind of separate ideas, but they're really integral to the adventure, you know, to, to get information across or to get an idea across or, or to, inspire somebody <clears throat> with an idea that takes them, you know, into a new level of, of whatever com- comfort, competence, um, confidence, any of those things, 
is kind of the right explanation at the right time. And, you know, we, we feel that those explanations need to be the right combination of, of, of simple, you know, simplicity, um, accuracy, and creativity. And, and when you have those, um, you, you'll more often than not hit the nail on the head when it comes to who your student is. And that involves connecting with them and knowing who they are. Um, as a bit of an example, if, um, if they're too accurate, so, for example, if they're if they're extremely scientific and extremely specific, and and um, they can they can actually lose the interest of the student because they may become too complicated. Whereas if you swing it to the under, other end of the of the spectrum, if they're too creative, you can actually lose um, accuracy. Um, and so, so somewhere somewhere in there, you know, the combination of of, of the simple, the accurate, and the creative. Um, in, in response to what your student needs, um, we can really engage them. Like if you've ever heard a, a, a really good explanation for something, um, it does kind of hit you in a way that is more than just, oh, that's interesting. It actually, it, there's, there's a bit of a reaction inside. It's almost an emotional, an emotional reaction to something or a quote that you've heard that makes you go, yeah, I'm going to remember that because it just, it really strikes a chord. And that's what we mean by that. And then setting your students up in the in in the right physical sensations. And um, you know, Guy Hetherington is someone we've been you know that we've been working with. In fact, the the layout of the method and sort of its original presentation really came from it was a bit of his brainchild. And um, you should hear him de- you, you should hear him describe this because it's 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 fantastic. He speaks like a poet, um, so I'm hoping to do it justice. But you know, the physical side of skiing. Um, the sensations that you get and, and whether it's, you know, us out there, um, you know, fairly competent skiers and so on, or it's the absolute beginner. Um, there are some really compelling physical sensations that skier that skiing offers, um, even for a beginner, um, that a lot of sports just don't like a lot of sports. You, you need to be, um, really quite competent at to get similar sensations. Skiing, you know, that feeling like being on the roller coaster where it climbs to the top and, you know, gradually crests over after tick, tick, ticking your way up to the top and suddenly it goes and now your your stomach's up in your throat a little bit. That, if you like that feeling, <laughs> which personally I'm not a fan of, but if you really like that that roller coaster feeling, that's available to you as a as a student. Uh, which is super exciting. And we can deliver that even in a beginner area. We can deliver that in the first sliding experience that somebody has. So not to go on too long about it, but but really when we strike the balance between the right explanations and, and satisfying the intellectual needs of a student and the physical side of, of skiing and what it offers, um, then we're into the emotional side. And when we've done it right, we find ourselves with all of the the positive emotions that you know that you can list, of which there are hundreds. If we haven't um, struck the right balance, there's another side to that emotional um, reality, which is you know you can be you can be scared, you can be embarrassed, you can be you know any of those things that 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 will see people exit the sport. Um, so you know what the what the method is is it's it it is the thing that we try it's a bit of an inventory if i can say that of of making sure that we strike that the balance between those things so that we can actually get to a place where we're delivering people into adventures and that kind of overlaps into our concept of the challenge zone which actually is not our concept but it's one that fits well with what we're doing and i can get into that later on um but you know, because delivering the adventure is not as simple as just saying, hey, we've got to do something that's fun and safe and creates learning. There's there's a bit more to constructing that. And the method is um, is a, a sort of a holistic way of, of looking at it. 
Uh, yeah, and it is a step-by-step -step process too, right? And everybody's going to progress through that uh, chain a little bit differently. And then, like you said, you know, it's like it's like if you hear something explained well to you, and a light bulb goes on in your head, you're like, oh, I, I get that. That's going to come to different people in different ways too. So you have to find ways with your clients, uh, you know, to to think oh, to to realize this person is getting it this way, but now I have to move to this person who could be in the same group <laughs> and and make sure that they're getting what they want out of it and the light bulb is turning on for them, whether it's a skills progression thing or it's a feeling or it's a it's an experiential thing. And uh, it's very individually based. Yeah, and I think teaching is becoming more complex as well. I mean, one of the things that that sort of became more more um, common in in snow schools just in the last number of years, and it, it really became a thing during COVID was the family lesson. And so now you're you're in one learning situation, one teaching situation with, uh, you know, a a, a number of generations, um, different skill sets, different you know, like everything, and it's and it's all in one place, um, being orchestrated by by one instructor and so the 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 toolbox that's required there not just in the things that you do but the actual things you're cognizant of and that you're aware of as the process goes on it's complex mm -hmm. it's jeff if i can jump in it in there is some complexity to it and i'm glad you brought up um Guy Hetherington and and his overlay and and what we actually have. So, Jordy, you brought up the method, which is our is it's really it's the most complex because because what the method is, it's the means by which we guide the adventure, you know. And what we teach out there in our courses, level ones and and level twos to th those newer instructors, is the adventure, and the adventure is the vehicle. And the pieces and the components that make that up, but what makes us worth our salt is making sure we understand, you know, behind fun where we're talking about creating the connections and celebrating, you know, milestones and exploration. You know that that's very much you know intellectual and 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 emotional in there, and we we looked at the to the learning sciences for that, and and you know on the other side the the science of skiing that how skiing works and how we think about skiing you know that feeds that and then kind of guy kind of got a hold of 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 all of this and was like yeah that's fantastic but that's not sticky that's that you know we we need to have that robust diligent interrogation into the sciences to know we're moving forward with with something that's timeless um but what we need to do is make it tangible, and that's where the that you know the complexity of some of the sciences that that we do have some kind of intellectuals, kind of behind the scenes on staff that that are academics in these fields are feeding this. That's where guys like you know you got the the human condition, and that's where it's pitched to the understanding that Jeff was talking about. And then on the other side, it's the physical. And you got to get if you get those two just right, that's where the emotional comes in. So there's this overlay of something that's tangible and that we can work with out there that resonates with people. But what's behind it are the the sciences. So it it's very effective and engaging from that perspective. And I think we'll get into kind of 
what Jeff mentioned here as the challenge zone. But the method for us is the most complex. Really, it's how we we drive and guide the adventure. And what we're teaching out there for for our instructors is work with work with the adventure. And that's where that's where kind of the simplicity of the complex, all the individual components come together. So how would you define adventure then within your organization and why is this so important to the PSIC to make it part of the foundation of what your organization is about? Well, for, you know, I think for me, and you know, I know your question was for the organization, but you know, the adventure I think is, is a little bit personal to everyone. But for me, certainly, which I think represents, it brings the emotion into it and the adventure is that it's the significance of the entire skiing experience and you know not you know i mentioned earlier um you know psac for me is the epitome of a lifetime of passion so some of that in context was you know i've had a number of careers in the ski industry one is you know i was a skier um you know i i did lots of skiing a couple of inter skis uh very technical all of that side and then I kind of moved into the resort operations business. Um, and in there, I had the good fortune of, you know, working with WB through a period of, of, of rapid growth where we became one of the most kind of visited all-round resorts in the world. But as part of that 16 years on the executive there, you know, our North Star was this entire skier experience and, and creating experiences, people and memories that brought them back time and time and time again. And that's, that's not just, you know, technically improving someone's skiing is a fraction of that. It's all around emotion and bringing the exhilaration and the joy and the accomplishment and the, the adventure. So kind of coming back to your question a little bit, what is the adventure for me and for the PSIC? It's bringing that emotion to life and it's, it's instilling the love of the sport in people. And yes, we're teachers at heart. And I think that that improvement allows you to access more of the the mountain. So you get that exploration and terrain play, but it's really that exploration and terrain play that should be driving it, um, not the other way around. Yeah, I started heli ski guiding back in the day uh, with Mike Weekly heli skiing, and I always appreciated that Mike came from a, actually a ski instructor background, um, even more so than the guiding background. And he he had a lot of focus. He put a lot of focus on on his guides to deliver powder instruction, powder skiing instruction. Because that that basis, if people could get that, then they they got the adventure out of it and the experience out of it. And if they were not able to actually connect the dots technically with you know the instructional side of things that we were able to hopefully deliver to them, then they they just didn't ever ever get to having a good experience and didn't really want to come back. They were floundering in the powder. They were tired. They were losing equipment. It was just a bad experience. Uh, and especially in the uh, the older days with skinnier skis too. Um, so now the equipment is better, so that's great. Delivering a better um, and probably a faster learning progression, I would argue, for powder skiing and and bigger mountain skiing in the backcountry. But really, you you do like if you fall over and you haven't had instruction of how to get out of the powder. It's, it's different than being at the ski resort. You can be a black diamond skier all day and, you know, you fall, you know, once in a while and you pick yourself up and off you go because you can push on the snow because the snow surface is firm, but it's not like that in the backcountry. And so just having that, 
you know, the, a few tips even at the start of your ski day or start of your ski week really goes a long ways. And I think that's kind of where you're coming from too, is having that foundational skill set that will allow you to progress into the adventure experience, experiential side of it. Yeah. And I'll hand the floor or the mic to, to Jeff because he's spoken about the adventure quite a bit as we've gone across the country, um, you know, uh, delivering our LPT training, which is licensed professional trainer training. So, you know, um, in there, you know, the adventure is the vehicle to do exactly that. It represents that holistic or the significance of the entire, entire skiing experience. And, you know, it's, it's three, three buckets, fun, safe learning. Um, and, in there, I think this is this is how we bring it out. But maybe Jeff, I'll let you talk to kind of individually those buckets, or maybe similarly to how you presented it when when we we were on tour. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually interesting to think about like what does it actually mean, you know, to to us as as an organization and and I guess individuals as well. Um, I'll tell you, well, short story of kind of where it it where the actual you know term, if I can put it that way, came from and really became part of what we're doing is, you know, early on, um, it was initially kind of Mark and I that sat down together after a, a lot of initial feedback had come in. I, I was a bit late to the game um, in getting involved with the PSIC, but once I went, you know, once I was in and had some conversations, um, you know, with, with Mark and, and so on, um, you know, it was quite, it was, it was, a, it was a pretty obvious choice for me to get involved. But one of our earliest conversations is actually where the adventure concept came from. And, you know, the, the, initially <clears throat> we were looking at, you know, how do we deliver, um, exceptional, exceptional skier, skiing experiences, you know, the, the skier experience was sort of the, um, the term we, 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 we had initially on the tips of our tongues. And then, it it became more than that um through some discussion and through some just some honest um you know just some honest talk about like why we do this and and where where might this go and and what's exciting about this and and as we talked more and more um what we were actually talking about it was an adventure <laughs> that that we were that we were set to go on and i think the essence of it is is partly um, what you know you're 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 trying to go out there and do and something you're trying to accomplish, but it's also actually knowing that you're probably going to discover something that you've you've you you haven't before. You don't know actually what's out there entirely. And and I've you know I, I'll take some liberties here, but you know Jordy, you 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 know you became a a heli guide. Well, I'm sure at some point in your career there was there was a first time you stepped on a helicopter. And, and on that first time, there was probably a certain amount of unbelievable excitement and a lot of preparation and some predictions of what was about to happen. But really, there was a whole bunch of not sure what's going to happen. But you were in the hands of competent guides. You were the, you know, in, in, in the hands of people that could help you and teach you and train you and, and so on. And I think that's, if I may, it's a, it's a little bit of, a, of, of perhaps you know, the experience of, of you then in, in, in your shoes back then going on an adventure but even now there's adventures that you'll go on where you'll feel the same. And I think it's the same for all of us, regardless of how, um, you know, how long in the tooth we get in the roles that we're in and, and, uh, and how long we've been doing it and, and how proficient and skilled we get and, and so on. There's still like adventure is applicable to everybody. Absolutely. Everybody. We just have to want to go out there and, and, and find it. 
Yeah. And, and we, you know, as we talked it through, um, we just kind of felt that, that it was actually quite a simple equation. And, and I'm, I'm thinking back now to those conversations, Mark, you know, we were sitting in <laughs> what we call uh PSIC headquarters now, which is actually Mark's kitchen. Um, but, uh, you know, and just really talking it through, it's like, well, what are the, what are the simple, um, what are the, the absolutely necessary ingredients for adventure? And, you know, to go back to the, to, to maybe the example of, of becoming the heli guide, you know, there's, had, had there, had there been a, a really unsafe situation that you'd experienced or, or, you know, something that actually turned you off, you, that, that may have stopped you from proceeding down the path that you did. Right. And, and for ski instructors, I mean, safety is, is so important and, and maybe to not go outside the question too much, but, um, you know, we've, we've, we've sort of had this question, well, well, why do you, why do you say fun, safe learning? Why is it not safe fun learning? Cause safety is that not the most important thing, but, um, where it's framed from is the adventurer's standpoint or the student's standpoint. So it's not from from us as the organization. We we really tried to step into the first person uh, as the adventurer. And I think, um, you know, I think when people plan to go skiing or they plan to introduce their their um, you know their family to it for the first time, I I don't think, and I don't I don't want to make too many assumptions on a lot of people's parts, but I don't think their decision-making process is, Hey, what could we do over this Christmas holidays that would be really, really safe? Ah, yeah. Okay. Let's, you know, it's skiing. What they're saying is what could we do that would be really fun? That's actually where it starts, right? I think that's what drives us down the road to being whatever the ski instructor, the heli guide, um, you know, the first time skier on your Christmas holiday. Um, so, so that's why we say it in that order, right? It is fun, safe learning that that engagement has to be there what we bring to the table as instructors and professionals and so on is the, the knowledge and the expertise and the awareness of, of the things that could interrupt that fun. Um, and, and we, we help that along and, you know, Mark, you know, mentioned that as part of the method where we, you know, we're, we're letting science drive that. And, and one of those things is that we are in, in a very simple way, hardwired to learn when we're in a fun and, and safe situation you know, if we're, if we're secure and we're emotionally engaged, it, it's, it's far more likely that we're actually going to learn or, or take in new information. So it just seemed to fit, um, very simply as the conversation went on. And Jeff, it's, it's interesting listening to you and coming, coming back to some of those conversations in, in headquarters, as you say, that it actually, it, it, it turned into a mechanism that was more than that though, just for you know, our clients or this, a student out there, it actually became the vehicle for us to hold ourselves accountable to. And I'll give you an, an example that you'll, you'll know and the development first certification second. So not only, you know, we want to make everything the organization does fit the adventure and, you know, being you know, intimidated and having people judge you, um, that's not a great adventure. You know, they're not, they're not positive emotions. So, you know, leading with developing competencies and growing people um, and always being there to help them and, you know, us believing that 
celebrating those milestones of a certification or that journey, well, that'll happen anyway. And that'll happen along the way, as long as we focus on keeping everything an adventure. And even to the point where, you know, we really looked into the sciences or had you know, certain people that, that, that had education here um, look into the science of learning and just, you know, our evaluations, it, it, it takes a little bit longer, but we, we, we don't put, you know, part of us living the adventure was let's not put someone up there with 20 or 30 or 40 of their peers around them waiting to ski a, a one or a two rung shot that has huge consequence with a bunch of people at the bottom judging you with clipboards uh, to perform. And we're like, well, that just doesn't make sense. We can, we can do that in, we can create a positive environment and a learning environment for people to do that and get the same outcome. So why wouldn't we? And, it, you know, it was things like the adventure and holding ourselves accountable to that and really what it means that I think is driving us. So to a certain extent, we're driven by the adventure as well. So I'd like to explore this idea of the challenge zone a little bit more. So I touched on the challenge zone a bit back in our first episode in season one. And one thing I've noticed is that in any given moment, we're operating in one of three performance zones. I tend to think of them as our comfort challenge and survival zones. We can visualize these zones by picturing three boxes on top of each other. So comfort is at the bottom, challenge is in that middle box, and survival is at that top box. There are a few iterations of this idea out there, and I'll be honest, what the boxes are called really doesn't matter that much. But I think understanding how these boxes work together is super important to understanding how we can actually deliver adventure. And so you two have referenced this middle box, the, the challenge zone, can you tell us a bit more about it and what it feels like and, and why it's important to you? Yeah, and this is something else that, you know, we have an inf info, um, you know, a sheet that uh, that helps understand it too. I think so talking to it's going to be a little more difficult than the visual it gives you, but but in its essence, it's it's neither a state that's too easy or too hard. So when you're when it's engaging and slightly challenging, but achievable, that's that middle zone or that middle box. And how we depict it is, you know, if you if you imagine kind of a window in front of you and along the bottom horizontal of the window or the x-axis, as someone might say, you have an abilities line. And the, the, the vertical side of the window or the y-axis would be the difficult line. And diagonally all the way through from kitty corner to kitty corner would be where we call the challenge zone. So, you know, anything that's for your ability that's too high on the difficulty, you're just in a frustrated zone and that's not going to work. You know, you're not having fun. Um, you're definitely not in a position to, to learn. You don't feel safe. And conversely, the other, if you have a lot of ability but very little difficulty, you're probably in a boredom zone. And that boredom state isn't isn't the sweet spot either. So you know um, you have comfort and anxiety, and we want to be somewhere. That's what's flanking this challenging zone. So you don't you know you don't want to be either of those. You want to be right in the sweet spot where kind of you know, that learning and the adventure. And we even tossed around you know calling it the flow zone or the fun zone or the adventure zone. 
Um, but we always came back to the challenge zone because that's where it's referenced the most in kind of the learning sciences and the psychology journals and that piece. But in the great simplicity, it's just keeping someone engaged enough that they're not overwhelmed and they're not bored. And that sweet spot is is typically where they're having the most fun. And even from the science perspective, their brain is the most wired um, for learning. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time looking at ski instructor and snowboard instructor injuries and trying to figure out ways to really to bring those bring those injuries down and think about why they happen in the first place. And it's interesting, I find when I look at how people are getting hurt out there, and, and clients are the same thing, skiers out there, snowboards out there, the same thing. Often what you notice is that people are getting hurt outside the challenge zone. So they're either below it and they're complacent, they're switched off, or they're above it and they're stressed and their instincts are kicking in. And often with so many mountain sports, our instincts are counter to what we need to do to perform well. And so like, how do we, how do we get people into that challenge zone? How do we recognize when they are there and when they're not there? Yeah, that's a, I mean, it's a good question. And, and actually I'd be really interested to, um, to kind of hear maybe where, where you've gone with that, that line of thinking as well, Chris. Um, but yeah, like I, I think I'll tell you, some of the things that have come up from, you know, the people that have engaged with the PSIC so far and, you know, taken our LPT training and, and, and some of the other programs that we've done, you know, there's some actual, and I don't even know if this probably isn't even scientific, but, but, you know, if you look around, if you, if you engage with the people that, that are around you and you watch them and you look at body language and you, you look at communication and, um, there for me, and, and I'm, this is just me, what, what I'm noticing is, is there are some, some simple things like, you know, I think maybe this is an answer to, to, to how do you, how do you know they're there and, and how does it feel is there's actual smiles, right? Like often, you know, someone who's in the challenge zone, they're, they're trying to figure something out They're If they've already figured it out on the first attempt, you've, you, we're not in the first, we're not in the challenge zone, right? We're, we're probably already um, board. There's got to be something more. There's got to be something that that um, allows them to make mistakes, but mistakes that they'll understand and mistakes that they'll go, "Hey, hang on, I'm going to try this again." And over our over our our um, training of the last couple of months, um, it's been really interesting to take some really skilled, um, experienced ski pros and find the challenge zone for them. Um, in what I'll call just some unexpected places, you know, we've been doing a lot of work in the beginner area, um, you know, a big focus of, of our, uh, our early programs with, um, you know, with the level one and the level two is around teaching children and it's around beginners and working through progression and really laying that, that groundwork of, of call it the day one skier. And, and in that work, we've been challenging ourselves as the trainers of those people to, to help them find the challenge zone in some of those unexpected places. And it's fascinating, right? It's really interesting when you can take a group of, of, of super skilled skiers and get them onto an unbelievably flat terrain and create some challenges that actually make them go, hang on, <laughs> I'm going to, I want to try that again because they, they don't, they didn't get it the first time. Um, and what I've, what I see consistently is that they're smiling they're laughing, they're asking questions, they're going, Hey, wait a second, show me that again. How do I do that? Like they are deeply engaged with, with what is going on. And I, I think the opposite is true of someone who's, who's outside of the challenge zone in one direction of the, or the other, 
right? Either the, you know, they're, 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 fr- they're frustrated, it, you know, they're, they're too scared to try it because it's not safe enough for them or they're bored and, and, and disinterested is you won't get that. You won't get that level of engagement. You don't see the smiles. You don't see the, 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 the banter. You don't see the, you know, the fun happening within the group and the connectivity of, of people who are working with each other, not just, you know, from, from me, the trainer in that situation. And, and the people that I'm working with. So that's kind of what I've looked at. And, and again, it's not, not super scientific, but I, I think it's real. I, I think that's the people side of, of, of us as, you know, kind of emotional beings um, coming through in a real sense. I, I find this idea of the, the challenge zone is, is super important to understand because as an instructor uh, and a guide for so many years, the expectation that I had of what I was supposed to be doing was to push people to their limit and, and beyond. And the idea was always to, oh, okay, I'll just use a, we'll go use the skier analogy is to, oh, you're at this level. Okay, great. Now we need to get you to the next level. And then we're going to push you to the next level as opposed to maybe just enjoying what you're doing or making it a little bit harder on the terrain that you're on. So instead of making bigger turns, you you increase the complexity and you make smaller turns or faster or whatever. And I think that there is a lot of pressure on guides and instructors to want to keep pushing people further and further with the idea that adventure happens when we're pushing ourselves to the limit versus challenging ourselves and doing it well as opposed to surviving um, in that situation and, and to me that survival zone you you all you'll almost always notice when we're doing technical sports that that this is that defensive posture right it's you know in in, in skiing it's twisting back up the hill to, to get away from things or, or fighting it in a canoe, um, because I guide a lot of, and teach a lot of canoeing what you'll see is people will just instead of um, using proper turning strokes, they'll just start switching sides because they're panicking, right? They're trying to muscle muscle the the boat around. Mountain biking, usually a little bit more defensive. I I know for me in a survival zone on a bike, I'm starting to slow down. You get really nervous. You're hitting the brake a little hard, things like that. And so, I find that just understanding and trying to recognize this, and even educating your your the people that you're with how how they are. Um, which which zone they're in and what that feels like and why you're trying to train them to be able to counter those survival instincts when they go above that challenge zone is is really important part of the of the process and that adventure because adventure we are going to be nervous right like we are going to go above challenge and get stressed and have to fight a little bit and so how do we how do we deal with that you know uh, using a mountaineering analogy you're not always going to be climbing, you know, sometimes you're going to fall and sometimes you're going to have to use that ice axe and you're going to have to know how to use that ice axe to stop, to stop your fall. And so training people to be able to counter those instincts is a, is a super important part of, um, of that process of, of the adventure because misadventure is, is going to kind of weave its way uh, in and out of that experience. Chris, you mentioned something, you know, that, resonated with me before when you said, you know, as instructors and guides, we feel obliged to get our client or the guest in front of us to that next level. Um, And in there, it was about what we're supposed to think we need to do. 
when really it's curating the experience to the guest and it's more around you know making them the star of their movie and what is really important to them so it's individual and situational and there's a lot of room there between individuals and i think that's the art you know there's not a lot of programming traditionally in 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 the instructor pathway per se that that deals with these skills and these concepts and you know i think we have a lot of room in the industry to get a lot better at what we do by realizing and practicing um, some of these pieces. And that the, the making note of the continual observing and decision-making we do as professionals out there is super important. And it can take, you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 years before you're good at it. Uh, and and we're talking about it now, but but putting that down and giving new instructors frameworks and understanding that the these concepts and these tools are out there, you know, as a resort operator for much of my career, I think this is gold. This is what we need to be getting into practical tools into professionals' hands, you know. And when I come back to the we we opened on one of the questions you know, what is the PSIC? And I said, well, we're a professional development organization. Um, now we're starting to touch on, uh, you know, why it's personal for me and, and, and where we're moving and how we're driven and these concepts of the adventure and the method and the challenge zone and these soft skills and this front side guide. Um, super, super important. Well, we'd like to thank you both for coming today. This has been excellent. Yeah, but on that note, just uh, yeah, Chris, thank you very much, and Geordie, it's been a pleasure, and just uh, thank you for having us on. That was it was awesome. Much yeah, appreciated. Very much appreciated. Thank you both. No, thank thank you very much for for joining us, guys. That was that was great. If you would like to learn more about the Professional Ski Instructors of Canada, you can check out their website at psic.pro. So, Jordy, what were some of the key takeaways that you have from this discussion? As usual, there's a lot to unpack here, Chris. I'll, I'll share two things that stood out to me listening to Mark and Jeff. First off, it's really an interesting new organization, and they do have similar goals and values to our Delivering Adventure podcast, and there's some really in interesting overlaps. They're promoting the delivery of the entire experience and quite free of judgment is one of their goals, promoting development, recognizing that delivering these experiences requires a diverse skill set that includes both hard and soft skills. They made the point that sharing technical information is important, but it is often overshadowed by other parts of being able to deliver adventure. Deciding when to expose someone to more difficult terrain or complex situations, communi communicating in a way that installs confidence in people, being able to build trust and being able to frame a negative experience as a positive one are just some of the examples of the skills that go into delivering adventure. These skills are sometimes taken for granted, but they are essential. They also take time and effort to develop. Secondly, the components of adventure that they talked about. So fun, safe, and learning were their three key components of adventure for the PSIC, and I think we both agree on this. Framed another way, to achieve an adventure, it has to be remembered as being enjoyable 
either in the moment or later. The experience has to fit inside people's risk tolerance, and people generally want to feel like they have improved in some way. On this last point, it could be that they learn something about the place, the activity, or themselves. What did you take away from this, Chris? Yeah, all great points, Jordy. Touching on your point about the PSIC as an organization, I find it interesting that they have really stepped forward and embraced the aspect of the adventure and the skills that go into making that happen. One of my missions over the last few years has been to try to change the perception that ski and snowboard instructors have of what they do and who they are. To me, they are closer to backcountry guides than sports instructors due to the risk they're required to manage, the environment they're working in, and the experiences they are expected to deliver. I've been trying to change the narrative that ski and snowboard instructors are more like front country ski and snowboard guides, and I believe they would benefit from embracing the mindset that goes with being an adventure guide. Teaching is only one component of what they're doing. I'll be interested to see where the PSIC goes with all of this and to a greater extent, the industry as a whole. The other point that I want to touch on from this discussion centers on the challenge zone and understanding what it actually is. Let's start with summarizing what it looks like. I think to do so effectively, you need to understand how the challenge zone fits into the bigger picture. As I mentioned in the interview, to me, there are actually three performance zones with the challenge zone sitting in the middle. The zone below it is our comfort zone. The zone above it is our survival zone. If you have other names for them, then that's great. The names really don't matter, but understanding what they are does. An analogy I like to use to describe them is unloading the dishwasher. Imagine yourself unloading the dishwasher with no pressure on you. In this scenario, you could probably multitask by having a conversation while putting the dishes away, or you might be able to daydream, think, or listen to the TV. For many people, unloading the dishwasher is a pretty familiar task, so it's easy. It could also be said that on its own, it's kind of boring. Regardless, it's a task that doesn't take too much of our focus because it's familiar and easy. When we do it slowly, we are likely to feel quite comfortable. Now, let's imagine you experience a bit of adversity. In this case, let's say that adversity is time pressure and an element of complexity. The time pressure is that you only have a few minutes left to get the job done before your favorite show comes on TV. So you need to hurry. What makes the job more complex is that a lot of the knives are being placed with the sharp side up. To keep yourself from getting stabbed, and to get the dishwasher unloaded in time, you need to move quickly but carefully. This requires more focus and coordination. The feeling you would probably have here is a bit of excitement. This is your challenge zone. Now, let's imagine the lights go out and every knife has been placed with the sharp side facing up. And when I say sharp, I mean the knives are razor sharp and they're big. This is where you start to enter the survival zone. The emotions you would probably feel started being stressed, maybe nervous, and could escalate to becoming incapacitated and frozen with indecision. In two future episodes, we are going to explore the survival zone in more detail with André Jean Mayeux, who tells us how we can improve our performance in a crisis. 
When it comes to delivering adventure, it is possible to move up into the survival zone for short periods of time and still have an adventure. However, you need to be careful that when you are there, the people you are leading don't get crushed and lose their confidence. Most of the time though, adventure happens when we are in the challenge zone. This is where we are pushed to the point where we are excited, challenged, but not overwhelmed or bored. This is the point that Jeff and Mark were making. I think experienced adventure guides and instructors recognize the value of managing the adversity that they expose people to in a way that doesn't over-challenge them. However, less experienced leaders may feel the need to push the people they are leading well into their survival zone to experience adventure. This is a mistake, and I can tell you I have certainly made that mistake in the past. As Jeff touched on, when people are in the challenge zone, they don't look terrified or overly stressed, they mostly look happy. I think this is really what we should be all looking to achieve. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with your social network. There are share links in the show notes. Also, make sure you follow the show so that you don't miss out on future episodes. Before we go, we have a few last words of wisdom from Jeff. Thanks for listening. Every time we have these conversations, we're learning more about, about the potential of, of, of what, you know, what's been put in motion. But what you guys both made me think of is, I think that's actually why the, the, the soft skills, um, and I, I don't even like the fact that they're called soft skills. I actually think they're hard skills, you know, like the, the people, the people side of things, the ability to like the empathy and the ability to connect and to really like to have patience with people for just that moment longer as they try that thing. Cause what's so it what's hard i think is to get a student to a place where they're comfortable to make the mistakes that learning requires right like if you can do that as a as a teacher if you can get somebody into that place and i i think that is the challenge zone that that is the number one skill i in my opinion it's the number one skill that you need yes you need to know the the, the, the ways to do it safely and, and, and all of those things, but with the goal of getting someone into that place, because when they're in it, like learning is, it's messy. It's super messy. You, 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 you make mistakes there. There's the potential for embarrassment. There's all of that, but we do it because there's, there's success on the other side of it. And when you're in that moment where suddenly you're comfortable making mistakes around the people that are trying to help you, that's an incredible place to be. And, and so like to have the skills to recognize when you're there and when maybe the, the technical thing that you'd love to say in that moment, but you shouldn't say it because right now that person is exactly where they need to be and they just need to try it again. Like that, that's so important for people to understand. And I think we do get carried away sometimes with, oh, I could just add this. I could just, I could clean it up a little bit, you know, like it's like you, you really want to, and it's, and you're doing it out of the good, you know, out of, out of the right place. But to know when you're in that spot with that student um, is huge. And I wouldn't even know how to describe that exactly. But I think if you like, I think you've all been there and, and when you're there to know it, is unbelievably important. And I think that's how you actually keep people in the challenge zone for just a little longer. Um, because yeah, and maybe it's not adding more terrain. Maybe it's not making it any more 
challenging to get more skill. It's actually letting it be that place where they're for the moment comfortable making a couple more mistakes. Because if they are, the learning available there is you, you, you can't, you can't get anything better than that. 